Kind of like a vaccine, you know, if you just get mm -hmm. low dose exposure, you become immune to it. And I think a lot of in our, in our generation grew up with a, a wrong understanding of what the Christian faith actually is. And so they looked at it and said, well, I don't really need this. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And I'm Megan. Yeah, and Megan Brown is joining us today as we talk about millennials. Yes. And we are all millennials. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of a nebulous term. Yeah. I think that sometimes people use that term for anybody who's younger than me. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a yeah. millennial. And the, the Gen Xers for, are like, no, we're not. For quite a long time, that was yeah. a standard, ah, oh, these millennials. Yeah. And now it's kind of an anti-boomer effect I've found on the internets. But we are millennials. We are. 1981 to 1996, although there are different definitions, I think. Yeah, so a millennial is someone born, yeah, between 81 and 96. That means they're currently 23 years old, all the way up to 38 years old. Just, just made it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a classic millennial. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a pre-millennial. Huh. But one of those millennials that can remember b when the internet first came out. Yeah, like when you would be getting on AOL and your mom would pick up the phone and kick you Ruin off your it. chat room mm -hmm. with <laughs> your middle school friends. Yeah. yeah. And we still had corded phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All yep. those things. Good, Y2K. Good times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was exciting. I remember that. Also a little fearful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Y2K. Yeah. So uh, our goal as millennials today in talking about millennials is really to talk about the relationship between millennials and the church and maybe some trends where millennials have had an exodus from the church. Um, there are many millennials in the church, but uh, as we compare generations, not as many as say previous generations. And so we wanna just talk through that dynamic a little bit, talk about um, you know why millennials might feel distant from the church or might not be here and what to do about it so yep so we'll have all the problems solved at the end of this <laughs> exactly 35 minutes so the first thing we might mention is just that well, hold up hold up go ahead you didn't tell a dad joke <laughs> uh-oh is it because megan's here <laughs> um i didn't you know i don't know if i you're just having i'm gonna come back to that i'm okay. not sure if i have a dad joke immediately okay i, I know. thought you'd have one like <laughs> usually i do pocket. yeah it's there somewhere. I just have to dig it out. Yeah. Do you think that there is such a thing as a millennial sense of humor? <laughs> huh. That is maybe a little bit different than other generations. It's been formed by like South Park. Yeah. The Office. <laughs> yeah, The Office. Hmm. Or maybe Parks and Rec. Yeah, they, they're onto something. You know, it's kind of like a, a, it's very casual. There's a disdain for like any formalities. I think, you know, like kind like of a subtle humor. Yeah, kind of very practical, kind of relational, authentic, you know, don't try to like bring the, the corporate <laughs> world to bear on me. I think there has to be because some of the Disney movies now, they're sliding in some of those jokes for the parents and yeah. not just the kids. So I'm not sure what it looks like, but I know it's there. It's there. 
I don't know if the Gen Xers have a, a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> Grunge. Yeah, they're just angry at cynical. the world and not cynical. Yeah, not hey surprised now, hey when, when everything goes <laughs> sideways. Yeah, just kidding. No, they're, they like it. I think that sometimes Gen Xers kind of look down on millennials and think you guys. Kid time is over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But. All right, so here, here's my joke. It was there. I just had to think about thank it. You, so thank you. This is, I told Megan this <laughs> walking home last night after our Wednesday evening uh, education stuff. Um, but so this is, it's a little bit Gen X. All right. So, okay. All right. <laughs> but so a, a dad brought his eight-year-old daughter to work uh, for like a bring your kid to work day. Mm-hmm. And when she got there, she was super excited. But then she started looking around, looking everywhere she could and then she started getting disappointed and finally when she had seen his whole workspace she started crying and, and his, the dad said why are you crying and she said daddy you said you worked with a bunch of clowns <laughs> pretty good she wanted to see the clowns yeah. The circus <laughs> yeah. yeah so as we talk about millennials i think a good place to start is maybe to look outside of our own context a little bit because Mm -hmm. you know we may say that millennials are leaving the church millennials are not in the church but is that maybe just true in one demographic like united states you know kind of middle class it's yeah definitely it's not everywhere in the world right Uh, actually my dad um he his wife is from the philippines Mm -hmm. and he said that if you go to a, a Filipino church, they're just bursting at the seams. Like there's, yeah. there's still that cultural norm mm-hmm. um, that churches kind of, this is what everyone does. And so he said it's really um, almost a shock to go to church and you just see mostly young people um, in every single place. And so, yeah, it's definitely not, it's not everywhere. Southeast Asia, Africa, Latin America. Latin America, yeah. We're gonna we're not gonna have the same cultural trend. I think it probably would be anywhere that is historically West and English speaking. Western world. Yeah, Western like, world, um, European. Yeah, first world kind of mm-hmm. situations. But it makes sense because you know we we've kind of you know Christianity has kind of run through and had a historical impact on us, but then people kind of you know grow familiar and. That breeds contempt, right? <laughs> yeah. A little bit sometimes. Well, and we're very yep. prosperous, you know, and so maybe we don't feel our need. But, but I, I do, uh, the statistics show, you know, that, in, that there is this increase, this growth in what we call the global south, Latin America, you know, um, Africa, um, Asia. Yeah. And, and so you have the churches booming, it's growing. Uh, but then also, so in the United States, you have uh, a, a growth in faith among immigrants. And so hmm. that's one of the reasons why I'm even a little optimistic that the United States will continue to be very religious. And that's because of immigrants. Because if you, as you have immigrants coming in, you know, what were the churches like up in New England that were booming? It was the Nigerian churches. It mm, was the Ethiopian, Ethiopian ones. So they were the ones who were showing up on the scene and like their churches were planting and growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas some of the uh, middle-class white suburban churches were just kind of struggling. That's right. Yeah. Same, same thing in um, Thunder Bay where we were uh, that 
the churches that were able to reach out to the minorities were the ones that were growing. Yeah. And there were some specific minorities that were uh, from Eritrea, uh, and they their churches were bursting as and that immigrant growth fueled it. Yeah. Um, so That's it's exciting. not universal, but it is here. It is yeah. here. Yeah. In and I think go ahead. In 2011, uh, Barna did a project um, written about in the book called You Lost Me. And then they said at that time they collected data for the project. About 59% of young adults with a Christian background told us that they had dropped out of church involvement, some for an extended period of time, for some, some for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to that stat, I think that that's kind of our experience as millennials, right? I mean, I think of the people I went to high school with who grew up Roman Catholic or in a church, and they're just gone. Um, and maybe they have some kind of sentimental attachment to it, mm. Christmas, Easter. But, you know, I even have friends from high school who would just outright say, I'm just not a Christian. Yeah, I think, so I, I grew up in a, a church, you know, there's probably... Um, 200 people on a Sunday. It was mm-hmm. a good church. It had a grade school. And just thinking back, I think most of those people I knew in that Lutheran school, um, I don't think they would be active in a church. Yep. Some are. And I kind of treasure that reality. <laughs> um, but I, I know that most of the people I grew up with are not in a church setting, or they're not public about it. Um, so that is... You know, it's kind of heartbreaking, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of wonder, like, what happened to me <laughs> that, you know, why did, we, why did I survive? Why did we survive kind of whatever that cultural force was and yeah. remain in the church? Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you know, I think that there are some cultural factors here at work, you know, in our generation that, that uh, it's, it's not socially advantageous to be part of a church anymore really like it doesn't win you any points it's not like uh you know i remember even being a kid and like you know if we didn't go to church and all my other friends were i felt embarrassed to tell them that my family is not going to church Mm. (laughs) but now that's not the case i mean nobody looks down on you really because you don't attend worship right Um, there's almost a shift to like nice and polite where it's like it's okay if you don't go or Mm -hmm. you do you you know yeah Mm -hmm. i wonder you know what kind of is fueling this um so i think part of it is there's kind of been this anti-institutional move for a couple generations that was the baby boomers yeah yeah i I hear when i talk to especially older uh roman catholic growing up roman catholic baby boomers a lot of them are really upset by that experience. And I don't know if the Catholic church just had such a a strong grip on the culture uh, when they were growing up and they, and for whatever reason, they just had this extreme reaction where they, they had had enough, you know, they're not going to talk to the nuns anymore. They're not going to go to mass anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was, it's a very strong sentiment if you've ever talked to someone who's who's had that Me- many of them just say yeah i'm never going back especially to the roman catholic church yeah christianity have, has definitely become more on the fringes on the margins rather than like a cultural center hmm. um, i wonder if that's because we're also more of a transient community too you know and we've got a lot more options you know and we 
are willing to drive further too. Mm. Like our, we're not always just centered in our local community and our with our local church. You know, it's you may drive across town even to go to a different church mm-hmm. too. So you're not even connected with necessarily with your neighborhood at your church too. Yeah, this kind of speaks to kind of the consumeristic understanding of church. I think. Yeah. Where it's like I'm gonna find the curated experience that I prefer, you know, whether it's the church with the pastor with the skinny jeans, you know, or it's the, <laughs> <laughs> the good coffee. I, I don't, I really look terrible in the skinny the jeans, coffee. by the way, <laughs> or the church with the good coffee or the church with the laser show or who, whatever, or the church with the young families even, right? That's like, yeah, there's people there that I want to interact with. Right, right. You know, one thing I think that's happened is that um, people are maybe being a little bit r- more real about what they already were. And, and so we have this concept of, you know, institutional Christianity or nominal Christianity, Christian in name only, where, you know, everybody went to church, everybody's Christian. But now people are maybe getting a little more real about, um, we have like the rise of the nuns, you know, not the Roman Catholic nuns, but the nuns, meaning I claim no religion or faith and, and I just believe kind of whatever. And um, there's even this, t- this term, uh, apatheism, you know, it's just this, I don't even care about God, mm. that I'm not really even asking these religious questions. The, uh, stop uh, bothering me with that yeah, idea. Yeah, like, like. Yeah, and, and so I, I think that sometimes people are just being more real about what they already were. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, um, you know, if you if you kind of scrub something and get down to the center of it, like those outer layers have kind of fallen off of nominal Christianity. And so people are just being more real about what they already were. And so um, I think we see that trend at work. And, and I think we see it more at work in maybe urban centers and on the coasts. And I think that nominal institutional Christianity holds on a little bit more in a place maybe like Kearney or the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Where I think, I think those, those Christian-based uh, values are still highly esteemed for most people. And they recognize the church. There's an alliance there. Mm-hmm where I think as the ethics of our time have shifted, um, you know, in particular sexual ethics, but political ethics um, and kind of that awareness. And I don't know, I think that would maybe be called like the media ethics, the rise of the media ethics, we might say. Mm-hmm. But as that has really shifted in kind of coastal areas, we see, yeah, the church is more and more an outlier. Um, yeah. On what for example, believe. I mean, you, you can't really watch any... TV show now without some character who's just a weirdo Christian. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever, <laughs> yeah. ever seen TV shows where it's like, and now we bring in the character who's a religious fanatic? Yeah, you know? right. And it's like those. Did you mention Ned Flanders in your yeah. <laughs> sermon? Again? Yeah, but we all know a Ned <laughs> yeah. Flanders, right? right. Yeah. Just super happy, yeah. over the top Christian. But I think the typical uh, stereotyped Christian character now is like the stressed out middle aged woman. You know, who like just wants the city council to vote her way and like yeah. wants to be like that political control. And uh, this kind of brings us to another thought that might be forcing a wedge between millennials and the church. And that is kind of the marrying of politics with the church, mm-hmm. which we, we might call the religious right 
kind of like that Christian nationalism that right. we talked about uh, on the last podcast where um, we kind of believe that America and the kingdom of God are the same thing. That when the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose, Lord is, whose God is the Lord, it was talking about America. You know, right. That kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I know specifically, I know millennials who have said, basically, uh, you know, because Donald Trump, I can never be a Christian. In fact, yeah, you know, like I had this experience in my last church. I sat down with somebody, went out to coffee with somebody who had been confirmed and who just was absent. And I, we just sat down and had coffee. And I said, after getting through all the niceties and what are you doing for work? I said, you know, hey, would you consider yourself a Christian? And he said, no. And I, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, because of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's it. That's literally the reason. And I said, what does that have to do with anything? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there's nothing about this in the New Testament, you know, and, and, and so let, let's talk about Jesus. And, and so I just kind of tried to talk about who is Jesus? Right. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about God? And um, so this is a good segue maybe to our kind of our next point here is, you know, does the church play an active role in the attrition the exodus of millennials. Uh, do we see that maybe in our own experience? Do we see that in the experience of our peers? Do we, are we culpable, <laughs> I guess? Mm. Yeah, I think with youth group over time, you know, we've s worked so hard to separate the different age groups. You know, that I've heard uh, youth groups described as like a Mickey Mouse ear. You know, you've got the main church and then this like youth group kind of sticking out on the side you know, this, this ear to the, the church, you know, we've separated them so much and it can be focused on entertainment in such a way. I, be I believe there's been a shift in Christian education um, in the last 10 years to be more family focused, Yeah. but it definitely impacts the millennial generation, this Mickey Mouse kind of ear youth group concept where it's been so focused on entertainment and having a fun place to go and just helping them connect with each other, that there wasn't this deep dive in the Bible and mm -hmm. teaching of spiritual disciplines, the things that are lasting in faith or cultivating intergenerational relationships and mentor relationships that truly are lasting. I think it's those relationships that are so important too, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, when, when, when I was growing up in high school, you know, there was kind of this real over the top, if you build it, they will come. We just got to entertain these kids and make sure that they're yep. in youth groups so they're not, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll or whatever they're going <laughs> to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I do remember that when I was a kid, like, we would alternate youth groups to which one was the coolest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this youth group has a skate park in their parking lot. <laughs> yeah, right. This one has a battle of the bands with free smoothies or something. Yeah. This one, you know. They have laser tag. Yeah, and yeah. this one has all the popular girls, right? And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we really would, like, kind of rotate youth groups. And there was some growth and some good Christian relationships that happened there with people. But, but there wasn't necessarily this deep formation of what does it mean to know and follow Jesus through the generations, you know? Yeah, and and that was my experience too. I was part of the church growing up, but then there was, yeah, there was kind of like this, okay, actually our, my family switched churches because this other church had a big thriving youth group. 
And so that's where you'd go. And I, I always remember, I don't remember really learning much content. Mm. I remember showing up and listening, trying to learn, I think, but mostly just I was there because there were some cute girls in the room. Like me. <laughs> so that's why I was there. <laughs> but I think, Megan, you had a different, you had a more powerful experience, I'd say, because you had close friends, but also a, a mentor who was part of that kind of small group um, in your youth group. I had an awesome Christian high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my mom would talk about how one of the major pieces of her prayer life was praying that other Christian adults would be in our life, um, in my brother and I's lives. And I think that her prayer was really answered. Um, we had awesome Christian neighbors and we'd go hang out on their front porch and they would talk to us about life and faith. And we even went to some of their youth. I went to some of his youth group events. He was a youth group leader hopping around to different youth groups but Mm -hmm. it was because of steve's youth group you know we we went to the that um event actually at lake ogallala (laughs) um and then we had a i had a christian teacher at a public school and he was vocal about his faith in in different ways um not in class necessarily but like we some of my friends and i would go have lunch in his classroom and we'd Mm. talk to him about faith and he was older and he got married later in life too. And so it was interesting just to hear he, he decided not to kiss his bride until they got married. And that really, it was different, you know, and it stood out to us. And so we were asking about different questions and asking him different questions and it was good. It was good. So people like that um, really made a lasting impression on my faith life. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking back at my youth group experience to put the best construction on things, I think that a lot of times the adults were just trying to access us and, mm. and share Christ with us in any way they could. But really what stuck with me was the relationship part was I had, you know, pastors and I had adults and, and even adults who weren't my parents, right? Who just cared about me and who really made good lasting relationships with me and me then with other people who are Christians. And that just kind of had a lasting effect. Hmm. Um, I think there's some good research that shows, you know, and this is, there has been kind of a move away from kind of this grand um, youth group entertainment model. Mm -hmm. And part of that is the research that, you know, people like, um, you know, David Kinnaman has done. At Barna. Fuller has a lot. They're growing young resources. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. one of the, I mean, they just say the strongest indicator if you're, if you're, son or daughter is going to remain in the church once they're a young adult is if dad is truly engaged with the church. Yeah. Um, And then mom. And then the next indicator is if they have a trusted adult outside of mom and dad Mm -hmm. who's encouraging them. So literally it's parents and mentors. And that's honestly why I think Sunday morning is so important because Mm -hmm. I, while a youth group or Sunday school have a level of importance while even confirmation has a level of importance. I think that Sunday morning is the cornerstone, you know, God's word and his sacrament and the worship of God's people through the generations. In one pew, you can have three or four different generations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is, is so important. And 
Um, I think that sometimes we lack that. We think, well, the kids are bored in church, so let's not have them come. We'll have them go to youth group. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think so. Um, it's okay to be bored. Yeah. Boredom, I tell my kids this all the time. Boredom is the gateway to amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think hospitality I like is a huge piece, too. Just having those other strong Christians over to your house for dinner mm-hmm. and interacting with them you know, over a good meal and just hearing even the adults talk about the faith, that's huge. You know, I know when I talked to my wife, Kelly, about what was formative in her faith, you know, she didn't, didn't grow up in a family that was strong with worship, but she had friends whose parents were super hospitable and would invite her over, and she would spend a lot of time at these specific families. I think you even know some mm-hmm. of these families yeah. that in Phoenix that were just great families, and they just really modeled the gospel. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that that is so important, that relationship aspect. Do we want to touch any more on the politics one? We had this in the outline here, but... Um, well, I mean, we could. I, I think there's a, it's an interesting puzzle to yeah. try to undo that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were saying that Christianity doesn't take, isn't really in, this, in the limelight of our culture, but in a sense it is because every presidential inauguration, we just saw Joe Biden, he used a lot of religious language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he quoted the scriptures, right? He right. quoted St. Augustine. Right? And at least to some degree it is. And that, I don't know if is a great thing all the time because it casts shade one way or the other. Well, if you love right. something, you don't want people to misrepresent it. Exactly. And so that's what makes me super nervous about politics is that either party, I think, has grossly misrepresented Jesus and the gospel and the church. And so I'm kind of like, guys, just stop it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I want the church to represent Jesus, not a political party. And, and, and this gets to another point about millennials. I think that we can sniff out inauthent- inauthenticity or fake, or hypocrisy pretty well. And so when we see hypocrisy about saying I value something, but then not living in a way that values it, we're going to be like, nah, I don't I, Yeah, no thanks. I don't buy it. Or when you're using scripture and twisting it around just to your own benefit, instead mm-hmm. of subjecting yourself to scripture and actually diving into it and mm-hmm. living it that way. Yeah, it, it's very hard to untangle... Um, Jesus from poli- the political right in particular, and that stereotype that's kind of been forced on the nation for decades now. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, you just have to say, let's, can we get into the scriptures? Yeah. You know, can we talk about Jesus apart from our national conversation? And, right. Um, because I do believe there's awesome Christians on both sides, in both political sure. parties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that often the priorities that, that people have on either side of the political spectrum, y- you can often find those both in the Gospels. We talked about this yeah. on the last one mm-hmm. about, you know, the things that Jesus really values. We talked about, uh, you know, sexual ethics and the unborn, you know, life yep. uh, and also the immigrant and also the poor. And those things seem to span all those parties. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing kind of, I think in talking about the church and maybe its role in the exodus of millennials would be, I would call this inoculation versus deep catechesis. And to break that down a little bit, what it means is that I think our generation 
often had low-dose exposures to Christianity in the scriptures. And there was this assumption that if I take my kids to church every once in a while, or maybe they go to Sunday school, then they'll naturally just become Christians. And kind of like a vaccine, you know, if you just mm-hmm. get low-dose exposure, you become immune to it. And I think a lot of in our, in our generation grew up with a, a wrong understanding of what the Christian faith actually is. And so they looked at it and said, well, I don't really need this. Or God is whoever I want God to be, so I can find him outside of the church. Well, and so you find this, you do find this in in some people our age when they say, oh, I'm totally a Christian. It's like, well, you know, do you have a pastor in your life? No. Do you read the scripture? No. Do you take the Lord's Supper? No. But I'm totally a Christian. Yeah. Or do you know what Jesus says? Of course says? I believe this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right. Like, yeah, I think there's that kind of glaring inconsistency. And when you bring it up, it's pretty uncomfortable. Well, even somebody might not even say they're a Christian. They might say, well, you know, I just believe that all truth is, is the same. And whatever you believe is, is, is great as long as you believe it sincerely. Maybe it's because our generation had so many options <laughs> mm-hmm. for everything, whether it be television or music or clothing or you know but we kind of have seen truth as whatever I want it to be and and so a Christian means that I just believe sincerely in in God and being nice you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's redefined Mm -hmm. Um, one other thing we might think about with the church is man uh, millennials are harped on a lot in the church we get picked on we get picked on by everybody (laughs) don't pick on millennials we have feelings and I think even from the pulpit you know, if we're just saying, you know what, the, the young generation, they're just lost. They don't know anything. Um, they're getting fooled or, or, you know, they're, they're backwards. They need help. And it's like, if that's the only way we characterize millennials, um, why would you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> why would you want to hear more of that? You well, know? And, and I've, and I sense in millennials that there's this deeper search for something better than maybe even the religion of our parents, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we really want something deep and we're not content with just pat answers. And, um, and so, you know, even millennials have kind of, I've read more than a few articles about millennials who don't really like the kind of mega church contemporary worship scene. Like they mm-hmm. want sacred space. Mm-hmm. They want something ancient and untouched by commercialism and yeah. gimmicks. Yeah, there, it's not a sales pitch, right? It's yeah, they want something that's just totally otherworldly. And, and so mm-hmm. actually, uh, there's a trend among millennials to become Roman Catholic or Eastern, or Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox because there's something that's sacred there. And I think if Lutherans are true to their tradition, that we have all that to offer and more. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think that it, it calls to mind uh, brand loyalty, is really important for millennials. You know, I think we'll pick a brand based on like the values, but we'll also be interested in the company and how they got started and where are they getting their products. Looking at my Starbucks coffee mug. (laughs) 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 And my Nalgene with a bunch of different stickers on it. You know, I think we are, we choose to align ourselves with certain brands, you know, and that's not only in products, but also in, um, in different organizations we're a part of like we want to know the values we want are they authentic you know are they being conscious of things um and so 
sometimes I think the Christianity brand can get muddled mm-hmm. too. And yeah. so then I think millennials are often looking for not necessarily the brand of a synod, you know, or a whole entire church body, but like what's the brand of that local church and are they super clear on their mission and their values um, and why they're, they're going to ask it? a lot of the why questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're going to want to see, are they actually living them out? Before they align themselves to it, they're going to ask those mm. questions. And they're going to interact with you online, too, even before they get in the door. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, we don't look at, we don't use phone books. <laughs> <laughs> All they do is get stuck in your snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like they always drop the, snow, uh, the, the, uh, the phone books off, this obsolete piece of paper. Yeah, um, <laughs> off like right before the snowstorm, and I've gotten them stuck in my snowblower. Awesome. Oh no! <laughs> <Dang> it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about maybe some solutions. And um, I don't even know if solution is the right word because I don't think people like to be managed or be a problem. We're not saying that. Um, I, I mean, how do we reach out to millennials? Uh, how do we as millennials reach out to our our own our own kind? Um, one, I just have a couple thoughts here and. One is that I think that we need to do a good job as a church of just really keeping the gospel front and center because millennials, I think, can often, we, we're kind of angsty, anxious. Not as angsty as those Gen Xers. Yeah. We can be anxious, you know. We've lived in this world of, of digital, social media, everything. Yeah. And this kind of, um, this really push to succeed. And also, I think that that we kind of see the church as condemning and, and mm. maybe saying no all the time. And so I think that when we talk about anything uh, from the scriptures, we always got to keep the gospel, the, the good news central. Yeah. And that's a good Lutheran move. That's what we're all about as Lutherans is the gospel, but we forget that sometimes. And sometimes we can just focus on the no. <laughs> yeah, I think um, this is something that we do have to offer um, maybe as opposed to some other traditions even, is we can say without blinking, uh, Jesus died for every single person. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, everyone is included in his in the pursuit of his love. And there's actually a place you can take your guilt. Yeah, right. You know. At the same time, we are exclusive in that we don't say something like everyone's idea of God is correct. Right. But we do have that all-inclusiveness Um, and also an extreme exclusiveness in that God is only accessible through Jesus. Um, And so there is a tension there, but I I think if we we do need to emphasize the universal love of God for all people. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point, like anyone can come too. Like you don't have to fix yourself before you get in the door. You know, I think often there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations to be all things to all people, you know, and show up completely at our jobs and in parenting, you know, and with friends on social media, Mm -hmm. like, which is exhausting. I mean, just practically speaking, by the time Sunday rolls around, a lot of people are like, I don't want to (laughs) go. That's something Mm -hmm. else on my list. I'm exhausted. Um, Church doesn't feel efficient or practical, you know, and oh man, I got to wrangle the kids somewhere else too. You know, I think we also just need to be that safe space and recognize like, no, we can all come and we don't have to be curated and the kids don't have to look perfect. Like 
it's okay to not be okay at church. Right. Just come and be, come and rest. And really, you know, we talked about worship being a sanctuary, and, and that's so important. Is that, you know, even if you don't even know if you're a Christian, if you don't even know if you believe this stuff, just come and absorb it. You know, um, another is just to be, you know, to be countercultural. And what I mean is that this goes back to that authenticity thing. Is that, you know, millennials don't like fake, and we can sniff that out. We don't like programs and gimmicks, and and you know, like let's let's try to be Christians who don't fit into one category or the other you know we can embrace say something like loving the poor you know kind of social stuff and then we can also embrace something you know like uh sexual ethics you know and mm -hmm. kind of these things that you know politics are always making us choose right now who are you going to be angry with and who's going <laughs> to be on the right side of history it's like well as christians we have a whole different deal yeah <laughs> And I think that uh, that we're looking for that as millennials is not to be so sold on either side. Because, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think, and that's hard to do, actually. And it's almost like you have to sell that idea a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you have to broadcast that. It's like, yeah, you can come here and and not think about politics for a little bit. And maybe we just need to do some intentional preaching about Sabbath um, and and sanctuary rest um, and that kind of that transcendent um, truth we're trying to follow and not be so pushed around um, another is opening inquiry and a safe place for conversation and because I know that a lot of times because you know it, we may have not been deeply formed in the faith growing up that that there and we have been surrounded by competing cultural voices you know, I think a lot of times when, when maybe millennials re-engage the church, they might be kind of surprised that their church, its beliefs on, say, morality do not conform to what's openly accepted in the culture. Hmm. And I think that can be kind of a challenge. And so a lot of times people just have questions. And so, you know, we as the church need to take this posture of not saying, well, just believe it because the Bible says, or what, you don't believe that? Um, really to say, come with your questions we're going to listen. We've had those same questions too. Let's, t let's go in the, into the scriptures together and let's, let's see what Jesus says on this. Yeah. And, I, and, and I to think do that, that in a way, we're not going to shame you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if, right off if the bat. If you have some real hang-ups on, on Yeah, stuff. you're just supposed to know this stuff, right? Yeah. I think that is part of the reaction against the institutional church is just they're just kind of like, we, know, we have the answers, so stop asking questions. Trust us. Just shut up. Yeah, yeah. shut up. Sit down. Listen. And I think millennials are saying, well, I kind of need to know that you're trustworthy mm -hmm. because you've let me down before, you know, yeah. institutional. Yeah, you church. don't have a perfect track record. So I do think we need to invite, we need to kind of unveil, here's how we got to these conclusions. Here's the road that we've been on together. And he, do you see the truth that's there? You know, Like, do you see the good reasons and the good the heart that's behind these conclusions. Yeah. I think also recognizing that everyone is, most people tend to look online for different answers mm -hmm. to the questions, you know, the Google kind of generation. I mean, we grew up a lot with that. And so um, recognizing that not everything you find is correct. And mm -hmm. I, I think our generation does understand that, but there are some really convincing people out there, you know, and so I think just being like we all know that the people 
in our congregation are also Googling other things about the faith, hmm. you know, and so it's okay to talk about these things in person um, and not just going online for that. Like we want to have those deeper conversations um, mm-hmm. and it's okay to say, yeah, I've been listening to this person and what do you think about this? You know, and then yeah. get our feedback. Because, you know, Christianity should never be afraid of the truth because it has the truth, you know. And so we can really kind of walk through these thorny questions and, and uh, we're all about open inquir- inquiry. It doesn't mean that we just believe whatever we feel like. We actually have some real solid answers hmm. from the scriptures that make sense about what, who God is and what it means to be a human being. Um, and and we're, we're open to that conversation. Um, fourth and final one would be this emphasis on faith and action and really service, you know. Um, not just saying that we believe, but doing something and providing these opportunities for service. And so, you know, I look at our own church with these ministry action teams that we have. I think that's a great opportunity to get millennials involved in doing something, using their many gifts and talents to serve and see a tangible benefit to being part of a church. Um, You know, I I think that um, this also means, you know, allowing, listening to millennials, (laughs) right? Not just talking about millennials and where are they? (laughs) What are we going to do to get them back? Well, well, why don't we listen to them and give them places of leadership and, and see what happens. Yeah. And, and maybe there is, I think I'm a millennial. I think, I have needed to be challenged as a millennial. And one of the biggest growth areas in my life has been when I've been a part of an organization where I think I'm actually not going to run if things get difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to just stick around. I'm going to deal with the awkwardness and I'm going to deal with this relationship and I'm not just going to jump ship. And so maybe there's an, uh, a challenge to millennials to say, you know, dedicate yourself for, two years and see what happens yeah um don't just don't just sample the church you can't just sample jesus right and you and just allow that awkwardness and the difficulty Mm -hmm. of being in community to be a part of your life again Um, don't just run to what's convenient and you know gives you the biggest dopamine high immediately or whatever it might be Uh, and i think that is just there's no way of getting around that that there needs to be a challenge to some people and their their consistency and their thinking about how to be a part of a christian life because all of us are i think in the end we're called to be somewhat countercultural in our own generations if you're a baby boomer you know or if you're a gen xer or if you're a millennial we are called to be kind of strange in our own generations Hmm. And I think that to your point, you know, as millennials, we're not going to just ghost our church you know, right. <laughs> if we're if we don't agree with something or maybe like we're disappointed with our own community. And I think that's one of the big things to recognize as parents, too, is because a lot of millennials are starting to become parents um, is just getting our kids involved mm-hmm. and participating you know whether that's I remember handing out bulletins as a kid my parents were ushers and we would stand there and we got so excited to like hand bulletins out to people and greet people it was so much fun or helping with ushering and passing the offering plate like don't wait like 
ask how you can be a part of a team and mm-hmm. get your kids involved in that because that's one of the lasting pieces for their faith formation too. Yeah. So be do that as a family together. Yeah. Well, good. I think we had a, a fun conversation today. I um, feel very millennial. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I think uh, we got some cool stuff coming up. I think we're going to try to have a conversation soon about Gen Z, mm-hmm. also called iGen, right? Something iGen. I've heard that them a called the connected generation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. because they were born basically after the iPhone, right? I mean, uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh, they're connected through the internet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk about that. And many of our listeners are raising those kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, we'll talk about that. We're also planning to have. Uh, Tony Splitgerber, who is uh, principal over at Zion Lutheran School here in Kearney. He's going to join us uh, for a conversation about what they're up to over there with a good classical Christian education. Mm -hmm. So lots of fun stuff in the mix, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Peace. Peace.